Welcome to Lipid Luminations. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Louis Aroni, Clinical Professor of Medicine at the Weill Medical College of Cornell University, Adjunct Associate Professor of Clinical Medicine at the Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. Since 2001, Dr. Aroni has been ranked annually in New York Magazine's Best Doctors in New York as a specialist in obesity, diabetes, and internal medicine. He has also been David Letterman's personal physician for the past 15 years. Welcome to the show, Dr. Aroni. Thank you, Dr. Caskell. I'd like to talk a little bit today about a new concept known as cardiometabolic risk and how that kind of plays out in a lipid clinic. So I need you to help our audience and define what exactly is cardiometabolic risk. Cardiometabolic risk is a constellation of cardiovascular and diabetes risk factors that all contribute to the risk of these diseases. One of the big questions that has stymied the field and made it difficult to move forward has been the question of whether or not there's a unifying cause behind all these. If you look at some of the most recent uh, work from the American Diabetes Association, they feel that while insulin resistance is a key part of the cardiometabolic risk, leading to uh, lipid abnormalities, atherogenic dyslipidemia, hypertension, and hyperglycemia, that there are other factors as well, Uh, intrinsic abnormalities in lipid metabolism, weight issues, smoking and physical activity, uh, inflammation and hypercoagulation, and finally, age, race, gender, and family history, all of which accumulate to give someone uh, their global cardiometabolic risk. Do we have any sort of calculators out there like we do to use a Framingham risk score? The simplest way is just to look at whether someone or not meets the criteria for metabolic syndrome. However, there are more sophisticated calculators that are now in evolution. There's one from the ADA that I think when it's available will really be valuable. We can probably tell when their stomach enters the room before they do. Well, that's if someone's waist is big enough, I think that... People who have abdominal fat are the kind of people who we're talking about here are the ones who are at the highest cardiometabolic risk. Well, it seems like we then you have your hands full and we have an epidemic because, as you know, our country is grossly overweight and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. What do you think is going to happen to our healthcare system with the resources we have? Well, the evidence right now is that while there has been continual improvement in outcomes by treating hypertension, by treating LDL cholesterol, and by using some of the other more sophisticated techniques to manage cardiovascular disease, that at some point we're going to start seeing cardiovascular disease in younger and younger individuals, as we're seeing diabetes now in children. We're seeing adult-type diabetes in children. That's why it's now called type 2 diabetes instead of adult-onset diabetes. What are you doing that is unique that you can share with me and our listeners that kind of really helps motivate people to get rid of their bellies? Well, one of the interesting things about the kinds of patients we see, and I run a program that's tertiary care or quaternary care research center, seeing people with obesity who primarily are at risk. So we see a lot of men and we see a lot of people who have cardiovascular disease who are referred from lipid centers and from cardiologists. And the kinds of things that we do 
focus on the evidence-based information that would suggest that in specific individuals, you can reduce their body weight, not by having them necessarily count calories, but by using other methods. So that one of the key things that I think that we do here is that we recognize that no approach is the only approach. We use many different approaches from low-fat diets, and we use those primarily in people with a high LDL. And that's a traditional form of treatment. The kind of patient we see is someone who has a normal LDL but high triglycerides and a low HDL cholesterol. And that kind of patient will put on a low glycemic diet. Uh, if their uh, glucose abnormalities are enough, we might add a low dose of metformin, which uh, has been shown to be of value in this situation. We also look for complicating problems like sleep apnea, which we find makes it difficult for people to lose weight and also contributes to the atherogenic dyslipidemia. We have other techniques as well, uh, looking for medications, that cause weight gain. There are a number of new tools that we're using. Dr. Aroni, I'm wondering when someone comes to see you, do you say to them something like, listen, as you are right now sitting in front of me, you have a 12% chance of having a heart attack in the next 10 years, and I can decrease your cardiometabolic risk down to 5% if we do the following? That's a great idea. We don't, in fact, do that, but that is the exact type of approach that we use. So in other words, our goals are not weight-based goals, but they're number-based goals. We look at triglycerides, we look at HDL, glucose, we look at someone's waist, and those are the goals that we give the patient. Those are the action items, because the fact is we can't tell how much weight someone's going to lose when we put them on a program, but we can improve these other numbers. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. My guest today is Dr. Louis Aroni from the Weill Medical College of Cornell University and uh, one of the best doctors in New York. Dr. Aroni, does a lipid clinic save lives? I mean, let's say we're able to improve our patients' lipid abnormalities, but they've already got significant coronary artery disease, and they've got some vulnerable plaque, and even though they've lost 60 pounds, they still have an MI. Well, I think that the lipid clinics have definitely helped to save lives by pioneering uh, many of the treatments that now have filtered down into primary care. You know, so some of the more aggressive management techniques combination therapies, for example, all these things have been pioneered by lipid centers. But I think that there's more to be done. So I think that the, the focus on the numbers alone, the numbers alone, meaning getting LDL down, getting, you know, for example, I think that that's critical. But I think that as far as this issue of cardiometabolic risk, now what we're seeing is high triglycerides, low HDL, some dysglycemia, and I think that the appropriate approach there is not necessarily to just manage the lipid numbers, but to manage the underlying weight problem, because that'll get at some of the other issues. For example, inflammation. How upset were you when uh, Complia was not pulled but not approved? Well, Ramanabant or Complia has been approved in 42 countries. 
It hasn't been approved in the United States. I think that uh, the evidence as one of the investigators, my mind is that it is an effective drug that can be safely used by physicians. It's like any other medication, there's a benefit to using it, there are risks to using it, and I think that uh, compared to the other medications that are used by physicians, by cardiologists and lipid specialists, that it's a manageable medication. So I think that as time goes on, the evidence will build, and I think that the future is bright for Ramanabant and the other drugs in this category. There are at least eight or nine others coming behind it. I understand that you are part of a steering committee for the National Lipid Association that's really working on improving the management of cardiometabolic risk. Can you share a little bit about what uh, your mission is and what the objectives of this initiative are going to be? The mission is to add another dimension to lipid management. So we're not saying that anything needs to change in the way that lipids are traditionally managed, but that there are people who are probably not being managed. And they have problems that we've been able to recognize over the years that can be treated successfully in different ways. In our approach, we treat LDL the way everybody else treats LDL. But when someone has a cardiometabolic risk picture of atherogenic dyslipidemia and dysglycemia, our approach is to use a low glycemic diet, to look for the things I've mentioned, and we often find that we can get weight loss and improve these risk factors. You and I have both heard a lot about the concept known as residual risk. We've done a great job of lowering LDLs as low as we can get them, but people are still having events. How effective do you think it'll be with these new approaches to actually get at the residual risk and make a dent in event rates? Well, we'll be finding out over the next couple of years because of outcome studies like the Ramanaband Crescendo trial in which uh, patients who are being treated with medical therapy have Ramanaband diet and exercise added on to see if residual risk can be further reduced. I believe that we will be successful in reducing it. How much we'll be uh, able to do, I don't know. And the reason I, I believe that is from some preliminary work that has been done in people who've had surgery for obesity, where it's very clear that by getting them to lose as much weight as you lose with surgery, you can prevent diabetes. So if someone's diabetic, you can completely reverse it. Mm -hmm. If they have coronary disease, they don't progress. In fact, the best study has shown an enormous reduction in mortality with surgical treatments. This is a case control study that looked at the cost effectiveness and where the surgery was done by a single very high quality center. And so looking at that and recognizing that there's sort of a dose response to weight loss, while we wouldn't expect as potent an effect with medically induced weight loss, I believe that there will be an effect nonetheless. With your patients that you send for surgery, is there a specific type of surgery that you recommend for your patients? Would it be a duodenal switch, or is it just plain old lap banding? It depends on the patient. It depends on the situation. The procedures that we most often recommend are the standard RUNY gastric bypass and the laparoscopic band. Uh, this is another area of intense research now. There are many different minimally invasive devices that are in development and which I think will revolutionize this field.
I'd like to tell our listeners where they could go to learn a little bit more about cardiometabolic risk. Is there a website they can go to? Are there some CME programs that they can sign up for? Well, I think that the NLA, uh, National Lipid Association, will be having a website that is devoted to an educational program that we're working on that will be teaching physicians the basics, uh, not only of cardiometabolic risk, but how we manage it. So we're trying to educate lipid specialists in the kinds of methods that we use. In my mind, this is something that will help people to get out there and help their patients. On that note, I would like to thank our guest, Dr. Louis Aroni, very much for coming on the show today. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to Lipid Luminations on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.